Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and today we're gonna talk all about what the difference is between puberty and being highly sensitive and understanding what is typical for a sensitive preteen and teenager compared to what is atypical, right? What's a sign that you need to take action? What's a sign of the shutdown cycle? Okay, so if you're parenting a highly sensitive child or preteen or teenager who is dealing with daily meltdowns or shutdowns and you're seeing this on a regular basis to the point where your child is running away to their room, slamming the door or not, or just simply won't even leave their room, then make sure that you're paying attention because we're gonna break down all of what is developmentally appropriate for this age group and help you understand the difference between puberty and a sign of something more intense, like a a budding mental health issue or a a concern for the personality trait of a lack of skills. So let's dive in. So again, if your teen or preteen is holding themselves up in their room, you're not able to have a word in edgewise before they shut down in that conversation, then it's important that you pay attention. This is not part of the personality trait. This is a sign of a lack of skills. So I wanna break down the difference between first and foremost, introversion, right? Is your child an introvert or is your child isolating? Now this is true for children eight, nine, 10, 11, all the way up to to middle school and then through high school. All of these uh, components to the personality traits stay the same. The behaviors might change, but the personality trait has important pieces to it that you need to pay attention to. That's what we're gonna speak about here. So a sensitive child, might be introverted, and you might have noticed that earlier in your child's development, that they might have wanted and or preferred to stay out on their own in in the home. Um, They might need more and frequent breaks from social events and experiences. And the challenge for you as a parent to identify whether or not this is typical for a sensitive person or not, a sensitive child or not, is to understand how. How is your child communicating that need? Is your child communicating that through yelling, kicking, screaming, or completely shutting down like an icicle who who cannot even make eye contact? That's a, that, then that's a sign of an issue, right? If your child's saying, hey, I'm all done, I need a break, that's a developmentally appropriate skill that your child should be able to communicate at ages five and up. Uh, even four-year-olds can say, I need a, need a break, even when they're at their, their biggest limit. 
uh, they can do that in a, in a skillful way for a four-year-old. Four-year-old might yell it, <laughs> but uh, that would be much more skillful for a four-year-old than having a meltdown or hitting and pushing and, and shoving their way or running away, right? Without saying anything. So when we think about what's developmentally appropriate, we always look at intensity, frequency, and duration. And those three pieces of the, of the, the behaviors that you're seeing are what gauges the difference between behavior that is developmentally appropriate and behavior that is concerning. Now, when we look at the personality trait being sensitive, there's four components, right? Processing things deeply, thinking about things deeply and feeling things deeply, um, being easily overstimulated without skills. So if your child's not able to regulate their own emotions, then they're gonna be more overwhelmed by daily life. And then, uh, but that is something that you can address with, with skill building and um, skill building for the whole family. And then next is uh, more emotionally reactive, more emotionally responsive and more empathetic. And so Elaine Aaron talks about emotional responsiveness and empathy uh, in, in her design of the trait, but emotional reactivity is a symptom of the meltdown cycle. So your child can respond with more emotions in, in any day life and that is true to the trait, but if those responses are reactive in intensity, then that is a sign that your child is struggling to regulate their emotions. So we look at intensity, right? Is the intensity um, yelling, kicking, screaming, throwing their body on the floor, or for, for preteens, um, running up to their to the room, slamming the door, hiding under the bed, saying they're the worst, uh, that you're better off without them, they might as well quit, whatever it is that you're asking them to go do or the, the thing that they don't wanna that, that they don't want to participate, or are you dealing with a teenager uh, whose intensity is simply not even having a conversation with you, and when that conversation it comes time for you, for you where you feel like you need to force the hand and, and have the conversation whether they like it or not, how are they communicating? Are they communicating by throwing their shoe at you um, at the door? Are they communicating by locking their door? Are they communicating by pretending to be asleep or, or not waking up on time? On a regular basis, um, or are they are they are they um, communicating by by yelling and, and screaming, uh, or completely closing you out? Right, the cold shoulder for days on end. That is an intensity issue, and that is simply a a symptom of the meltdown or shutdown cycle. So that is not developmentally appropriate. When you see that happening, now let's look at frequency. If you see that happening on a daily basis or a multiple times daily basis, then that is, these are symptoms of isolation, right? Shutting you out, leaving, um, leaving the room, not able to have a conversation or, or tolerate a conversation, running away, closing themselves up, um, even hiding under in the, in the closet, creating nooks, to the point where um, where they, they can't be found, that is a symptom if you're seeing that, that fear or anger or frustration is leading the show um, and, and your child is, is isolating to protect themselves rather than isolating to regulate themselves. And uh, we look at frequency for that. So if that's happening on a daily basis, that's a clear sign that this is not developmentally appropriate, even if your kid's going through puberty, right? changes in, in puberty are sporadic, but they're also, um, they don't last as long as parents think they do. So your child might be struggling with an intensity uh, in, the, in their life and that might happen and that, that might be present for two weeks 
or so, but the, the behavior will change. But the emotional intensity is likely not going to change if it's a if it's not developmentally appropriate, if it's a symptom of the shutdown cycle. So it's important to understand the difference. If it's last if this behavior or the intensity or the frequency of this behavior is lasting longer than two weeks, then you've got a pattern on your hand, whether you have, whether you're dealing with development or not, no matter your kid's age, this is a behavior pattern that needs to be addressed. So we look at that and we understand where the challenge is. We also need to pay attention to what is isolating behavior and what is introverted behavior. So introversion is a temperament type. It is a preference of who you are as a person, what you prefer in your in your in how you interact with the world and what about the world you appreciate. So an introvert and highly sensitive people, 70% of highly sensitive people are introverted. And these are people who prefer to be on their own, be by themselves to and they regulate on their own and by themselves more often than not. And uh, being introverted does not mean that you don't like being around people. <laughs> that it, being introverted does not mean that you're antisocial, does not mean that you can't stand being around people or that you get extremely overwhelmed. It's just that being around people is um, exerts energy for you and it takes up some of your energy. Uh, but it, but if you're if you're noticing that your child can't handle it, doesn't like it, or isn't able to tolerate it, then that is a symptom of isolation, self isolation, which is a, a self preservation, self protective symptom, and that's a problem. Okay, so when we look at the uh, personality trait and the symptom of the meltdown or shutdown cycle. This is this is one key piece. But uh, the difference between treating the highly sensitive trait like a diagnosis is that there would be a, an identified treatment, if you will, and that would likely be more relevant, for, um, you know, mental health would be relevant here or um, other medical care. But for the personality trait, you need to be focusing on making lifestyle changes for your whole family, and that needs to first start with you as, their, as your child's parent, your teen's parent, and your perspective on the world and how they interact with the world needs to change. And that's the difference between treating the personality trait like a diagnosis, which the untrained um, professional might do. It might slap you with a depression diagnosis uh, for, your, for your child or teen if they don't understand the personality trait. Now, this is not to say that, that your sensitive child or teen won't develop depression if you don't fix this uh, at this stage. And we're gonna talk about this today too, in terms of where this is headed if you don't turn it around and, and where the, the importance of, of timing is really important for, for children and teenagers who start to isolate. So the difference between introversion and iso isolation is that for, um, for, for introverts, these are people who, uh, and you know, age isn't, um, doesn't matter here. An introvert is an introvert when they're born. Uh, it's just a preference, it's a personal preference, right? But think about this. Um, think about a personality trait, Let's say for example, introversion, where you prefer to be on your own, right? Um, think about it like the preferring a favorite color, right? So you might prefer the color blue. This might be your favorite color. The color blue is what energizes you, just like introversion, being on your own energizes you. But if you happen to be served your dinner on a purple plate, if you can't tolerate purple, then that's a problem. 
right? You might have a preference that everything's served to you on a blue plate, right? And then you happen to have a blue tablecloth and that your kitchen is painted blue. But say you move into a new house and you notice that the house you purchased, the kitchen is purple. Maybe it's a light purple, right? <laughs> um, otherwise, the, you know, the people selling the house might have been um, mistaken as to whether it was appropriate to list the house at, with bright purple, right? But who cares? I'm, I'm getting, getting, um, uh, I'm diverting and putting myself on a tangent. So say there's a light purple kitchen, right? If you don't like the color purple, that's a preference and you can tolerate it until you get to the paint store right? <laughs> that might be higher on your priority list if you, if you strongly dislike the color purple. But if you can tolerate and you're fine with the color purple, you just prefer blue, then maybe painting the kitchen is the third room you paint in your house, right? That's the difference between being introverted, who prefers to be on their own, they're more energized on their own, and it's also true that they can tolerate being around people and they're gonna be able to find a balance and communicate that balance and hold on if they're around a bunch of people with, with skill, with emotion regulation skills. Um, but if, if they don't have those emotion regulation skills and they don't, they're not living in an environment where those emotional regulation skills can be used, then that introversion can turn into self-isolation and that's the challenge. So isolation can be a symptom of, of introversion, but it is not a direct um, slope, if you will. Introverts don't turn into isolators um, when, uh, when, they're, when they're overwhelmed and overstimulated and uh, less skillful um, as, um, as the only option, right? So an introvert could, could drain themselves and, and be um, super social and, and, and discount their needs entirely uh, and run themselves ragged in that way too. So this is not a um, uh, this is not a definitive thing and that's important for you to know because when you're thinking about um, breaking out of the cycle and you're noticing that your child's an extrovert, then you need to pay attention because if your child gets energized by being around people, and gets energized by having these conversations with um, and, and, and playing with other children and playing around other people, then it's really important to understand whether or not your child is, is isolating. And, and, and if your child is isolating, then that is, a, that is another key picture um, that this is, this is a problem you need to address, right? So it's, it's important to understand that um, extroverts are not saved from the problem of isolating. You might think, hey, you know, my kid's an extrovert. Um, they might just be taking some time to themselves. That's good. That's healthy, right? Um, but it's really important for you to be, be aware that if your teen is isolating and, and as a child they were an extrovert, then this is not puberty turning this around. Your child's nature doesn't shift unless they have an unhealthy uh, issue that's, that's uh, leading to these lack of skills, okay? So when your sensitive teen is um, struggling with this, it's important to understand uh, your teen, preteen, whatever age, right? Um, that this is a symptom of brewing depression or anxiety. And we really wanna look at this with a clear, important understanding that this is a very slippery slope for you to pay attention to. Isolation, wanting to be alone is still um, gauged 
in intensity, frequency, and duration. And so if, you're, if your sensitive teen wants to be alone all day long, all week long, and this has been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks, even months or years, that's not puberty. That is a skill deficit. There's a gap in your child's ability to regulate their emotions without completely shutting their world down, right? Think about um, like how you see an in, in, in image in media where um, you know, there's a, um, like a storage shed and you're just shutting the, um, the retracting garage door or whatever. And then all of a sudden it becomes black, right? Just get this image that just came to my head about that. Um, if you need that level of intensity to just shut the world down, um, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, then that it means that you have, that you need more skills to regulate yourself. You need to be able to tolerate being around other people and to do that in a way that, that feels safe for you. Now, this is gonna be important for school. This is gonna be important for social events. This is gonna be important for maintaining social relationships. And so when we think about a, a preteen or a teen, children ages 11 and up are spending more time paying attention to the opinions, approval, and feedback from their peers than from their parents. So if you see that your preteen is starting to pay more attention to their peers, um, or on the flip side, if you see that your preteen is, is not uh, paying more attention to what their peers think of them and what their peers think and, and, and trying to match and fit into the mold and see where they fit into the mold and, and develop independence at the same time and, and try to do that dance that we all experience in, in adolescence, then that is a, a serious uh, concern because your child is not meeting their developmental milestones. And so it's also important for you to understand that your window of influence closes. Um, it, it, it doesn't shut the door. I'm not saying that, it, that you have no influence for your your parents of um, of a sensitive teen. The, in fact, the opposite is true. Because your kid is teen, is sensitive, they still look to you to help them influence their own life, and and you have a, a huge impact as a sensitive a parent parenting a sensitive kid, regardless of age. Uh, but the important piece is how much and and when and how, and and that part shifts depending on your kid's uh, developmental stage. But what's important to understand is that every teenager, every preteen fits these developmental milestones. And if they're not meeting these developmental milestones, then there's a skill missing in their ability to regulate their emotions, in their ability to regulate their environment, to tolerate their environment, and to advocate for their needs. And all of those skills need to be built and they can be, be built uh, swiftly with the right strategy and support. It can be built systematically as well uh, so that they repeat themselves, right? And, and your team can start to feel more independent like they are emotionally pulled to be more independent. Um, but that's uh, the independence is completely different than isolation, right? If you're independent, you can independently solve problems. You don't shut your world off. You don't turn, turn the lights off, right? Like that's, um, that's, a, that's a sign that you don't feel like you're capable, which is the opposite of, of a desire for independence. So, or, or the perception that you're an, an independent person. If you feel like you're an independent person, then you feel capable. Um, and, and so when we think about where, where the challenge lies, it's important to understand that if your child is shutting down, then they have developed a pattern of escaping their own emotions. Now you might say to me, wait a minute, Megan, <laughs> my kid feels emotions all the time, all the time. They're telling me that, you know, they're exploding or they're shutting down or they're saying, woe is me, or they're, they're stuck in, in negativity and they're just complaining left and right. Yeah, 
And all of that behavior is an escape for their emotions. They are not actually dealing with their emotions. They're throwing them at you or they're throwing them internally and they're, they're not actually processing and letting go of those emotions. And that's really, really important to understand because being highly sensitive does not mean that you can't let go of your emotions. <laughs> And this is true uh, for for all highly sensitive people. And you might have heard the opposite if you've if you've uh, sought your own support. If you're a highly sensitive adult, and you've followed other highly sensitive coaches who uh, who work with highly sensitive adults, um, they might have sent the message to you that. Um, that that big emotion is going to reverberate for a really long time. And that simply doesn't have to be the case for all of your emotions and, and, and can be circumstance specific. But it can only be circumstance specific where your emotions can match the gravity of the situation if you've developed skills. And so when we help our clients do that alongside their children and um, in, in order to lead their children, we see that that's that speedy result that we're talking about and being able to eliminate that shutdown cycle in uh, 10, 10 weeks and, and for the, the, the meltdown cycle, the same thing, timeline. So a lot of, of um, important puzzle pieces need to come into play in order to show your teen that they can take ownership of their own emotions and that they can take ownership of their own experiences. And being able to do that on a regular basis is a skill set that they can develop. Um, you don't need to wait for your child to age out of adolescence. And in fact, if you do try to wait for your child to age out of adolescence, you're taking a very significant risk. And I want to pay attention to Linehan's research here. Linehan, Marshall Linehan developed um, the, the treatment for sensitive people who develop chronic suicidal and self-harmful thoughts and take chronic and su uh, suicidal and self-harmful action. And she developed that treatment because none of the other therapies worked. And uh, she developed this. She started her research in the 60s. And, um, and, and now DBT, which is the, the name of her therapy, is, um, is used more widely for other major issues for, for sensitive people um, and, and can also be a part of trauma treatment for sensitive people who develop, who've experienced trauma um, and then also develop major suicidal uh, behaviors. This is these are people in and out of the hospital, multiple attempts, multiple dangerous self-harm attempts or chronic self-harm where they've been hurting themselves for for years, months to years. And so uh, myself and my clinicians in my private practice were all trained, extensively trained in, in DBT. Uh, myself and, and my lead clinician have over 60 hours each of, of that training. Now, um, typical training is, is about half that. Uh, just to get started. And so when we think about the, um, the importance of this kind of, of work that your child or teen, if they developed the, the need to, um, to work with a mental health provider, because at that point they're thinking about wanting to die or not wanting to live, um, this is a very important understanding. Sensitive people who grow up in an invalidating environment where their parents don't understand them, now, it doesn't mean that their parents hurt them or that their parents uh, mistreat them or neglect them, but just that their parents don't understand them, they can develop this pattern. So if you have struggled for years now to understand your child, to truly get where, they, where, where their emotions are coming from and to help them out of that big emotion so that they can feel skillful enough to not isolate even in a pandemic, then that is a clear mismatch in your approach and your child's needs. And there is no judgment there. That is very common because if you're following traditional parenting or you're following mainstream parenting 
or you're following mainstream parenting from a place of, of understanding that attachment parenting is can you know more mainstream now if it's not specifically designed to support highly sensitive kids then you're still missing a lot of pieces right because it's not just about building a loving connecting relationship with your kid it's also about systematically helping them change their behavior and that's not often taught in, in love-based parenting uh, and it's still quite reactive uh, reactive not in the sense of of encouraging you to to punish them or give them timeouts or or um, to yell right uh, or justifying any of that, but it's still reactive in terms of solving the behavior issues that you see uh, right in front of you. And, and um, highly sensitive kids need to be parented in a systematic way. And that way uh, needs to be able to, to focus on building, uh, and building um, self-concept and, and the capacity to, to break down shame. That has to come from you as a parent and um, just focused on uh, the issue that you're seeing this week in, in parenting and, and using tactics like um, having a conversation or hand-over-hand uh, -hand correction for younger children or um, communicating with, with removal of privileges, even natural consequences uh, without a system can still feel, can still perpetuate shame for, for sensitive kids and teens because they don't know how to stay out of the um, major behaviors that they're expressing to you, even if those behaviors change over time or just uh, week by week based on whatever it is that's bothering them. And so when we look at being able to break this down systematically, it's really important to support your child in, in um, communicating their emotions and being able to handle tolerating their emotions. And uh, it's, it's really very important to understand two things. One, your teen does not want to feel miserable. No teen was put on this earth to feel miserable. No child was put on this earth to feel miserable. That is a human fostered experience, misery. Um, we think about the emotions that humans experience. They might feel sad, frustrated, upset. That is a normal, typical human emotion to experience. But misery is an emotion that is carried based on circumstances and emotion regulation skills. And so you need to be able to change the environment for your preteen and teen if they're experiencing misery on a daily, weekly basis. Um, even if they're in a, a teenager, right? That's not, that's not hormones. That's a skill set uh, that's missing here for you and your, and your teen or your child. So when we think about the challenge that, that this poses, right, there's a big difference between um, just chalking it up to, to adolescence and, and noticing for sensitive teens what's typical, right? Because a sensitive teen who without skills can hold themselves up in their room for, for days and weeks on end. And you might attribute it just to the fact that they don't really have any reason to, to get out of bed, right? Especially if they're still in lockdown or, um, you know, for, for, um, for the pandemic or um, they don't have access to a car and you need to get to work, whatever. And, uh, and that's really important to understand that, that teens are inherently resourceful when they're skillful, when they have skills to regulate their own emotions and to manage their, their dreams and to be focused on their, their outcomes in life, whether that be just to, to 
um, experience happiness on a daily basis with their friends. Uh, teens are inherently resourceful, but if your teen is not working on showing their capacity to be resourceful, then that is a problem. That is a symptom of the isolation we see. And isolation is a symptom of depression and anxiety. So if you're starting to see that isolation, it's really important to understand that that is a, a key marker that we look at when we, when we uh, diagnose depression or anxiety for sensitive teens who develop major behavior issues, uh, risky behaviors like life-threatening behaviors or promiscuity, aggression, et cetera. And those are the families that we work with in our private practice, mental health private practice. But uh, in terms of the, t the, the coaching capacity for teens who are isolating, shutting down, and feeling incapable of, of reaching their own goals, that is something that a coach can support them with. And, and the clients that we work with, parents might be trying to get their kiddo to understand uh, why their moldy dishes should um, should go in the dishwasher. But what we do is, is focus on supporting the teens to understand and have a clear conversation and know uh, and, and, and just call upon their, their basic common sense and feel the energy to, to use their basic common sense that the dishes go down to the, to the sink uh, before they even get moldy, right? So uh, we, we, we support parents and teens in, in backing up and, in, and preventing the problem in the first place. And that, that is not just from a place of understanding the rules in the house and, and uh, removing privileges if they don't clean up after themselves. That's not gonna teach. That's, that's merely a consequence and consequences don't teach. Consequences are, are um, a natural part of life if, um, if you're interacting with other people in the world, um, but uh, that they're not the, the biggest way to teach kids. Um, and so when we think about the important piece that it's missing often in supporting teens, uh, it is that emotion regulation component and it is the, the, the parent's uh, capacity to lead in that way. And, and often this is, this is because you don't understand how your teen ticks or you don't know how um, to, to get through to your teen or simply because you're tired. You've been dealing with this for the last 10 years. If your kid is 13, 14, 15, right? And in some way, shape or form, you've been trying to, to raise your teen in a way that helps them um, avoid this isolation you're dealing with right now, but it hasn't worked. And, and that can be exhausting. So it can be very re-energizing re to, um, to see things from an outside perspective and to have that neutral party support you in both simultaneously learning skills rather than feeling like you need to learn skills only if your teen learns the skills. And that's a, a completely different ball game when you have that ability to, um, to, to go first, to lead first, and then also support your teen to, to pick up their side of the, the, their ball in the court as well. Uh, because you guys are sim simultaneously playing the game of life uh, rather than feeling like you're both playing the same game. All right, that's a, that's a totally different way to look at things. And uh, when you notice that you each have your own game in life, then you can start to own what, what needs to be owned for yourself as a parent and then how to guide your teen in owning where uh, their own responsibilities and, and truly feeling capable of noticing that their, their dreams are achievable. This is one of the things that we see often for uh, for parents of teens is that uh, that your teen might have a dream but they don't feel like they're capable of reaching it and you can't convince them to um, to reach it just by telling them over and over again that, that of course they would figure it out, right? Uh, they need to be able to manage their own emotions, they need to be able to communicate their needs to you, and they need to be able to creatively solve their problems. And all of that requires uh, much more support 
than just a couple of conversations where where you might feel better and have a have a good hug um but but it still leaves your your teen feeling in the moment overwhelmed and and um unable to to shift out of that emotional state so we know your child or your teen was not put on this earth to feel miserable that is super important to to make sure that that we um maintain next thing is that um a lot of teens don't think that people understand them and so reaching out for support can be a major issue um, great news is that for for parents of sensitive kids preteens who are dealing with this um, you're the ones who need to make that shift and then for teens they're the ones that need to make that shift alongside their parents that that, that means you and um, that that dual feedback is is relevant for adolescents and the ability to take their own destiny into their own hands is exactly what they want, right? And they, they also realize that they depend on you and they need to depend on you. And so that they need to see that, um, that you guys are both walking the same, the walking the same path. So I'll stop talking in metaphors today. <laughs> I've been mixing a bunch of them. Uh, but when we think about being able to, to get on that path and to even notice that you're on the right path, that, that what you're doing is working, right? Uh, now that you have the, uh, the experience of understanding that your child needs several things to come into play in order to break out of that isolation cycle um, and, and that, that life refusal cycle, then what to do next, right? What, what's next is to book a call with our team. I encourage you to go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk or meganthompson.com backslash teen talk if you're the parent of a high school aged kid and above um, then then we we have a conversation with you and your teen and uh, that conversation is something that we can guide you through uh, before you get on the phone but in terms of ensuring that um, that you you are the right fit for what we do um, it's critically important that we have that phone call because uh, many parents could be dealing with the meltdown cycle or the shutdown cycle for some other reason. Could be that, that your family has experienced some pretty significant traumas and we need to send you in the right direction to, uh, to resolve the emotional intensity because of that. Um, but if, if we are someone who can help you solve that problem, which for, for we've done for hundreds of families at this point, then we will absolutely tell you exactly how to break that down, how to, how to stay out of that meltdown cycle, stay out of that survival mode, and move into feeling like you can thrive in your life and do that systematically and maintain it. And um, that's something that we would need to, to have a conversation about. Happy to have that conversation with you. Go ahead over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk or meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash teen talk. And we look forward to speaking with you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week. So be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, Here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So 
to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.